0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. And on the third day, he said, let there be sound. I, I broke my earpiece just a minute ago, so uh, this is cruel and unusual punishment for me to have to use this, but we'll do our best. Okay, hey, I'm glad you're here. I mean, that sincerely... Uh, I believe God's going to touch your heart today. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up really, really high, our ushers would gladly put the word of God in your hand. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Lamentations, chapter three. And you may say, Lama. Who? Lamentations, and that is that is right after Jeremiah. Most believe Jeremiah was the, the writer of Lamentations. So as you're turning to Lamentations chapter three. I just want to review just a little bit the last few weeks here. Again, our main scripture text has been uh, Psalm 92, verse 10, that says, "The Lord is my strength and my horn." And he goes on to say that there would be a a fresh anointing upon us, a fresh touch of God upon us. And I I believe God's still wanting to do that. But even last week, we highlighted a few things about a woman named Ruth. Now remember. For Ruth to walk in the things that God desired for her to walk in, she had to leave the place called Moab. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 19, he said, you may have to leave house, brother, sister, mother, father, spouse, children, and even lands. And so sometimes in our life to get where God desires us to be, there's a great separation. And so that's a good thing when that begins to happen. But oftentimes I find this out with people that we have the thought that God could never move in my life because I've made a mess of me. How many of you have ever made a mess of me? And so if you've made a mess of you, God's going to speak to your heart today. He's going to touch your heart today. And I believe he's going to put a fresh anointing on you. So we begin Lamentations chapter 3 verse 19. And this is Jeremiah writing and He said, remember my affliction... My roaming the wormwood and the gall. He's saying, I'll I'll never forget my trouble, my adversity. And and the word wormwood and gall, that is is bitterness. I'll never forget the bitterness that life has put upon me. Verse number 20. My soul still remembers, and it sinks within me. And so when Jeremiah says this, it's almost like he's almost given up hope here. And he says this, I I remember the feeling of hitting rock bottom. Have you ever felt like you've hit rock bottom? Some of you say, that's me right now. Well, I'm glad you're here. Because God's going to burst something in you. And so this, this was the way Jeremiah was feeling. And it's incredible that he would write about this. And so he goes on to say, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. I have an expectation. I have a grip of hope on my life. And that's my prayer is that if you have had no hope in your life, that God would rekindle hope within every one of us. That he would put a fresh anointing on you. He goes on to say in verse number 22, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Now, when he talks about the word mercies here in the Hebrew, it means a covenant love, a steadfast love, but it also highlights his compassion in our life. God desires that every one of us experience those things. So he goes on to say here, Therefore the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his passions fail not. They, his mercies, are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. You know why God's mercies are new every morning? Because we used them all up yesterday. Now, the word mercy here, many believe that Jeremiah here was consoling himself with God's mercy. But this is one of the most essential words in all the Old Testament. And the reason it isn't is this, it describes God's character. And God's character right here through mercy is described with three C's. The first one is compassion. The second one is commitment. And the third one is his communion. Now listen real close when I break those three down. His compassion toward us even when we deserve punishment. You know what that means? I don't get what I deserve. That's mercy. He goes on to say, my commitment is to restore us even though we deserve to endure the consequences of our sin. And the last one is covenant. A covenant of love that's expressed even at the point of our greatest foolishness. So man, when God's mercy comes upon us, something happens. I believe it's a great prayer. Lord, I welcome your mercy. And, And Jeremiah goes on to say in verse 24, the Lord is my portion. You know what one translation says? I'm going to stick with God. Says my soul. Says my soul over and over and over. I'm I'm going to stick with God. I'm I'm just going to stick with God. And I believe that's a word to many. You just need to stick with God. You need to just stay with him. And he ends this and he says, Therefore I hope in him the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The word wait there actually means to expect, to hope, or even waiting hopefully to the soul who seeks him. I believe this is a word to every one of us in here. God has plans. It may not happen on your timetable, but what would happen if I just stick with God? If I just had the thought, maybe the creator, Father God, maybe he knows a little bit more than the creation. Something happens when I begin to live this way. And so I pray right now, there's a fresh anointing on your life. Fresh anointing of hope. And when I read this, it's it's like Jeremiah. God had plans for Jeremiah, one of the greatest prophets. So Jeremiah needed hope stirred back up in him. Remember, God's the potter and and we're the clay. And so when I say that, God, God is never caught off guard. God didn't speak to Jeremiah the prophet and then say, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh is not in God's vocabulary. And and God didn't say right here, well, maybe I missed the boat. Maybe I was wrong. God didn't say, whoops. God didn't say, sorry, my bad. Those are not in God's vocabulary, okay? God said in Psalms 139, "I, I wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created you. And so when you read these things, oftentimes I believe this, that we have these tattoos on our heart. And oftentimes the tattoos on our heart are labels that try to bind us. And one of those tattoos is a tattoo that says, I'm a failure. I'm a fa- You're not a failure, okay? And I believe God's going to change those tattoos on your heart. Go with me to the New Testament to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And once you get there, Philippians was written under the unction of the Holy Spirit by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. The same Paul that wrote the majority of the New Testament. But this is the same Paul who said about himself, he said, I'm the chief sinner. So with that statement right there, The Apostle Paul had a past, just like every one of us in here have a past. Now, he's going to tell us some things in here that I I believe will set us free, so we begin Philippians 3, verse 12. He says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. I, I haven't acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. You know what he's literally saying here? I really don't have life together. The guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And it's okay. I I really don't have everything all together. He goes on to say, but I I press on. I press on. I, I run with passion. You know, I believe this right now. There's ones of us in here and you watching by live stream. You need a fresh anointing to press on. You've given up. It's time to get back up. You know the Proverbs 24 says a righteous man will fall seven times and he'll get back up. The question then, if I fall, the question is am I going to get back up? He goes on to say, I press on. Why? That I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. To reach the purpose that God has called me to fulfill. And the only way I reach that purpose is I got to press on. Verse 13. Brethren fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, I do not count myself to apprehend it, to lay hold of it. I haven't arrived just yet. I haven't gotten to where I'm supposed to be yet. But one thing I do, but one thing I do, I have this one compelling mindset. I I have this one compelling focus, just this one thing I do. Now when Paul talks about this, it's kind of like a sandwich that's cut in half, okay? But he's saying just one thing I do. Now watch what he says here. I forget those things which are behind. I believe this is the grace of God that says you can forget your past. I forget those things that are behind and and I really believe that that Philippians 3:13 right here this may be the apostle Paul's secret sauce right here. That he's telling us the one focus that he had, I got to get past my past. You won't move toward your future until you get past your past. But if you'll notice in verse 13, and he says, And I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. And so what he tells us to do, i got to keep pressing toward the goal. i got to keep moving toward God. And when you look what he says, the very first step, i got to let go of my past. The man who said, I'm the chief sinner. But he didn't stop there but he said and I'm going to reach toward my future I got to hold on to God I got to keep pressing on I got to look to him let me read you this little passage right here two friends were walking when one remarked to the other man you look so depressed what are you thinking of that that could make you so depressed his friend quickly replied my future Your future, his friend asked, whatever in the world would make it look so hopeless? To which his miserable friend sighed and unhappily said, my past. i got to let the past remain in the past. And he says in verse 14, now watch what he ends this. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. There's that word again. You know, I I believe the year 2022 is a year you're going to have to climb the mountain. And when you think about climbing a mountain, that takes perseverance. That takes a tenacity. That takes a discipline. But the only way you reach the top is you got to keep climbing. And I believe this is what the Apostle Paul said. Stay with it. Stay with it. And, And when we talk about our past here... My past is my testimony, okay? But my past doesn't have to define my future. And I think many times that's what we allow to do. My past mistakes, my past failures. Now, turn with me the book of Joshua chapter number 2. Joshua chapter 2. I hate these handheld mics. I hate them, Lord. You know why I hate them? Because I talk a lot with my hands and I can't do that. So we come to this place in Joshua 2. And I think just like the Apostle Paul, many times we have the thought, my reputation has been so stained. Anybody in here feel, man, my reputation reputation is so stained. And so when we live with that, we have this thing I called identity baggage. But my, my reputation... Isn't who I am. My reputation is who people think I am. But who I really am is based on my character that comes from God. And so i got to get to a place where I quit living for the approval of mankind. And I live for the approval of God. And you know what God says? That's my boy. That's my girl. God approves of you, okay? Now I'm going to make a bold statement here. Because in, in 2 Corinthians 5 it says old things have passed away. This may be something you want to write, okay? Don't use your past as an excuse to keep you from your future. Don't use your past as an excuse to keep you from your future. Don't use your past as a crutch. And so sometimes it's easier to blame the things that's happened in my past than than to press on to keep going. And what I mean by that, sometimes people will make the comment, well, I'm I'm divorced. I've lost my children. I've been a drunk. I've been an addict. I've done time. I've been a prisoner. I've been in jail. And see, if I'm not careful... I allow everything in my past to identify my future. Your past does not disqualify you. How do you know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1. It's going to take me a little bit to get through Joshua 2, verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun. It's very easy just to read over that statement right there. But Joshua was one of the original 12 spies that went into the promised land, remember? Him and Caleb were the only two that said, we can do it, and the other ten said, we can't. So at this point in Joshua's life, he's wandered around in the wilderness for 40 stinking years. Even though he knows God said, I promise to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, the reason I highlight that is this. What if it took 40 years for God to fulfill his promises to you? Would you wait? See, that's a a difficult question for me. Would I wait? Because, man, we we live in an instant society. We live in a microwave society. If If I don't have popcorn in 12 seconds, I'm mad. I mean, we're used to this ATM mentality, man. I pull up and I get my instantly. And so for us to have to wait patiently, I I said, Lord, I needed an anointing that was on Joshua to wait patiently. Maybe some of you are a lot better off in that area than I am because I'm not real good yet. The son of Nun, he sent out two men. He didn't randomly select those two men. Those two men were proven. One was Caleb, the other was a guy named Finus. Those are the kind of guys you want to do life with, okay? Those guys don't quit. When the going gets tough, they don't run. When the going gets tough, they don't coward. When the going gets tough, they don't stab you in the back. That's why I highlight these two. But he goes on to say, and they went to this place called Such and Such Grove. Why are you going past that such and such place? Because I butcher it and you would butcher it too. So just however you want to pronounce that place. The only reason I stop and highlight that because it was in a place called Shidem, which, listen real close to me, is east of Jericho across the Jordan River. And actually where this grove is at, it's in Moab, where we were last week. So for the Israelites to come across, they're going to have to leave Moab. Keep reading. So they said, go view the land, especially Jericho. Get a game plan, their strength, their weaknesses. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab or Rahab and they lodged there. So they go to spy out Jericho and they end at this harlot's house and the reason they go to the harlot's house here is because there was a lot of flow of traffic and a lot of people would come and go there you know why business was good and let me highlight something about Rahab Rahab was what we call a Canaanite that's one of the reasons God said don't marry those Canaanite women in the Canaanite custom A prostitute was viewed as a very honorable way of making a living. Rahab the harlot. So Rahab hides these spies that the men of Jericho are looking for him. And she knows if she gets caught, she may die. So why would this harlot risk her life? Verse 8. Now, there before, now, before they laid down, she came to them on the roof and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Now, if you got your Bible, take a real close look at the word Lord. My Bible, it's scaled capital L. She knew who the real God was. This Canaanite... Harlot knew who God was. And so what you're going to begin to see, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, verse 12, she will use that phrase over and over, the Lord, Yahweh, the great Jehovah. Now watch what she says. She she says about God more than most Christians would. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord your God, he dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were on the other side of Jordan, Sahan and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you for the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Do you know Rahab? She recognized that the God of the Israelites wasn't just another ordinary God. That their God did extraordinary things. He had extraordinary power. He did extraordinary miracles. And when you read into this, this woman named Rahab, a harlot, she has a desire to know God. And when I look at this, I I have this thought, did this harlot know or recognize something that often we miss? And what I mean by this is she knew. People have a background. People have certain lifestyles and certain appearances that many believe to think they eliminate me from God. But in reality, that's what qualifies me for God. The oftentimes the sinner realized how tangible God is and how merciful God is where the religious would say who do you think you are that God would take you why don't you why don't you get your crap together you oh ho I'm hitting home here I'm not going to camouflage this okay I mean, see, are, are we truthful here? How, how would God even look? How, who do you think you are that you could even ask God? And that's what's so impressive and incredible about this passage. That, that This harlot, I'll be careful using the word ho. Because... Then, maybe it would help us if we just got real tangible at times. But she knew. Verse 12... Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me, listen, by the Lord. And every, everything points to the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh, the great Jehovah. Since I have shown you kindness, that you also show kindness to my Father's house. And give me a true token. I, I need a pledge of truth. I need something that's real. And then watch her bold prayers and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. That's credible. You know what I see right here? This this verse right here. The power of one. The significance that just one human being can make, not only in their lives... But in their family members, don't don't think that you're just one, because God will choose just one to change things. Same chapter, verse 17. So the men said to him, "We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. We'll be free from the obligation, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of the scarlet cord in your window." Now, the cord right here, the scarlet cord, it's, it's, it's symbolic of the redemptive work of Jesus. The scarlet cord. If you get what they said, Vinas and, and Caleb said to her, the only thing that will matter is that scarlet cord. Your talents, your achievements, your name, Where None of it matters. The only thing that matters is the blood of Jesus. Now, listen. Who were they talking to? They were talking to a harlot. Don't tell me she didn't have a past. The blood, the blood, the blood. So up to this time... She would talk about the Lord, the Lord God, the Lord God. But we know in the scriptures that in John 14 it says, the only way to the Father is through the Son. There, there's no other way. There's no other shortcut. The only way. And so he said, you got to get that scarlet cord in, in your window. And, and really, you know what this means? My life is under the blood. Not just Sundays. Every day of my life. So we keep reading. This is good, 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 good. You bind this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers and all your father's household to your home so it will be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street his blood shall be upon his head and we will be guiltless and whoever whoever that's a nugget right there. Whoever. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to clean my act up and then I'm going to go to God. No, 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 no. And whoever. So off of whoever, if you, you remember John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that whoever or whosoever believeth him. So when I read, whoever. Whoever. And, and when I read that, it doesn't matter your past failures, your, your past mistakes. The blood covers me. I'm a whoever. You're a whoever. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on the head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business is ours, then we'll be free from your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. According to your word, so be it. Now, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says this, that all the promises of God through Christ Jesus are yes and amen. The word amen means so be it. So be it. So when she says so be it, you know what is she saying? I hear your word. I hear the promises. And God doesn't change his mind. So be it. It's a done deal. So we go on and keep reading. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. She bound the scarlet cord in a window. Everything based on a promise. Now you want to see the end result? Turn a couple of pages, just to are right, Joshua chapter 6, verse 22. So they've come across the Israelite. But Joshua said to the two men, Caleb and Finus, who had spied out the country... Go into the harlot's house from there. Bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who'd been spies went in and brought out Rahab. Listen, listen, listen. Her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold, the vessels of bronze and irons, they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord, which is the firstfruits verse 25 now watch and Joshua spared Rahab the harlot her father's household and all that she had she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers from Joshua sent to the spy of Jericho Do you know God remembered Rahab not because of her profession but because of the blood only because of the blood So if I had time and we went to the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1 it would say this and Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab Wait a minute, what would you just say? If you were here last week we talked about Boaz who was a very, very godly man but his mom was a hoe Wait, a minute, wait so how did Boaz become so godly because of his mama she loved Jesus and the blood and so if we looked at that genealogy it would say Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab and Boaz begot Obed by Ruth don't tell me God doesn't move Rahab was a Canaanite, and Ruth was a Moabite, and you and me are dumbites and screw-upites and failureites, but God will still use me. Wow. I said we are that, okay? Don't lose your salvation, what I just said. I, I'm t- I-, I want God to paint a picture in you today where you begin to see just because you got it doesn't eliminate you from your future. I, I got to go one more. Go, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, I believe this so many times in our life it's not how we start, it's how we end. And if you're still breathing, God's not done. God's not done. That's why over and over you begin to see today some fresh oil. A fresh oil. You've you, you got to get past your past. you got to press on. A fresh oil that, man, I don't deserve God's mercy. I don't deserve the blood of the Lamb. It's just the gifts. And so he says here in verse 18, 1 Peter 1:18, knowing that you were not redeemed. Who? You. Me and you. We were not redeemed. We were not repurchased. We were not bought back with corruptible or perishable things like silver and gold. Now the reason I highlight that is because silver and gold are some pretty incredible uh, commodities in our society. But you weren't even redeemed with silver and gold. You, you know the worth of gold in heaven? All the streets are paved to gold. God does a pretty good pavement job. You are redeemed with silver and gold. Now watch what he says here. From your aimless conduct, your empty, futile way of life, you're useless and you're fruitless. And if you'll note here, he said, your aimless conduct. And so every one of us in here, we got some aimless conduct, but my aimless conduct didn't disqualify me. It didn't eliminate me. And he goes on to say in verse 18, received by tradition from your fathers. I can't get in that very deep. You know where that goes? That goes to Exodus 20 verse 5. You need to repent of the sins of your fathers, the iniquities of your fathers to the third and the fourth generations. Many of us in here, we will operate under generational sin until I begin to repent of it. Now, let me tell you something. Not only does Jesus' blood forgive me, Jesus' blood will cleanse your bloodline. You don't think so? Just go to the genealogy, a Canaanite and a Moabite in there. So he goes on to say this, But with the precious blood of Jesus, the, the precious blood of Jesus I don't know if you've ever viewed the blood as precious there's nothing like it and so many times the devil begins to whisper and he begins to remind you of your past and in Revelations 12 it says that the accuser of the brethren he acts before God And what we don't understand is the blood of Jesus, it silences all his accusations. So here's your assignment. When when you hear him yakking, instead of pleading your past, start pleading the blood. Plead the blood, okay? Plead the blood of the Lamb. Come under the blood of Jesus every day, every day, every day. Now what we're going to do here, I'm going to have you stand up. But even on your way out, and I don't care if you do it right now, over here at this pub table, there there is a uh, Scarlet Quartz. I I know this is just a strand. Go ahead and stand up. But I believe sometimes we need some visual reminder. And you may want to tie one on your wrist. You may want to tie one on your ankle. You may want to tie one on the the mirror of your car. Where you begin to say, oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you. I I was purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb. I, I thank you today that the blood of Jesus not only washes me. The blood of Jesus is the only stain stick there is to sin come under the blood today Lord I come under the blood today and if you're here today and you've lost hope if you're here today if if you've quit pressing forward pressing on if you're here today and you need a fresh touch of mercy if you're here today and you just say Lord I, I need the blood to come alive within me again today I believe too many times we live way down here when the God's saying come on back up here come on back up here come on Would you bow your head with me? Father God, we thank you today that the blood blood of Jesus is greater than my past. We thank you today that the blood of Jesus is greater than my aimless conduct. We thank you today that the blood of Jesus, Father God, is marking us as overcomers. Rahab, our only hope is Jesus. She would have got wiped out with the rest of the people of Jericho if it wasn't for the blood. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus is Lord of your life, and what I mean by that, not only do you ask Jesus to come into your heart and be Lord. But you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You ask Jesus to be Lord that I don't go back to my old way of living. See, when we give our hearts to Jesus, this isn't just fireproof insurance. He's Lord of my life. Come in and do a change within me. If you've you've gone back as a prodigal and you need to come, i welcome. If that's you, just come on boldly here. Say, I I need Jesus today. Is there anybody in here you say, that's me? you. There he is. Thank you for being bold. Thank you for being bold. <laughs> I love it. That's me. I'm present. You're present. You're present. Someone on our prayer, come down here with him, okay? Anybody, anybody else? Say, that's me. That's you. I welcome you, okay? If you've got a tattoo on your life that says, I've made a mess of me, guys and gals, it's a kingdom day right here, okay? It's a good day. I'm going to give you a thought off of this. It says that when one sinner gives his heart to to Jesus, heaven erupts. The angels go crazy. I I would be willing to bet if any of you watched Tech beat the the shorthorns yesterday in basketball, you weren't quiet. Some of you danced, you shouted. I believe this is what's going to happen. When people start getting born again, we need to shout. So here's what I'm going to have every one of us do. Every one of you down here, I, I'm not going to pray this for you. You're going to have to pray it. And I encourage every one of us out here to say this, say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today, as a sinner, I've I've blown it, I've broke your commands, Father God, I ask you, forgive me of all my sin, Jesus wash me, and I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Jesus, you said, old things have passed away. All things have become new. I thank you for saving me. I receive you, Jesus. And I boldly say, I'm born again. Come on, let's clap. Let's hear. If we ever quit being ministry-minded as a church, we need to close the doors. And you know what ministry-minded is? It's all about people. Our greatest uh, uh, asset is people. You know why? People matter to God. And I believe right here with just what took place, who knows who's going to be in heaven because of this. But God's not done, okay? God's not. You guys stay down here. Just stay to stay under this anointing. Listen today. If you need hope... You need just a touch of God. If you need to say, Lord, I'm going to come under the blood, and I ask that you stir something back up in me that washes me, that cleanses me from my past. I'm going to tell you, come on down. They're getting ready to sing, and we're going to rejoice. If you want to get a strand, get a strand. But come on, let's come under the blood today. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.